Welcome to the BBSI Entrepreneurs Podcast, the show where we talk about the challenges business owners face every day. We'll share the insights and tools you need to define your business strategy, better manage your teams, and mitigate any risks standing in the way of your success. I'm your host, Lauren Gelfan, Director of Marketing and Communications at BBSI. Thanks for joining us today. In this episode, we're speaking with Rob Hamilton, our newly appointed area manager for our Southern Oregon branches, about how to build a growth plan for your business. Rob comes from a background in corporate finance and has also been involved in manufacturing, product design, sales, marketing, and project management, plus an extensive background in organizational development and training. Welcome to the Entrepreneur's Podcast, Rob. Well, thank you, Lauren. I'm honored to be part of this. You do have quite a varied background. I was very excited when I was looking at your bio. So can you give us a little background on kind of where you came from and some of the experiences you've had that led up to here? Yeah, so I have had a varied background. I kind of grew up in a small business world, which gave me early on a passion for small businesses. My dad was a contractor, owned a real estate development company, and later on did some commercial and government projects, kind of helped him run those projects for a while. Right out of college, I started working for some big companies, mostly in a finance role, then expanding into some marketing and project management, things like that. Always had an itch, though, to get back into small business. So when I left Dell Computer in 2002, I'd always wanted to do training and development. That's always been a passion of mine. So I started a training company down in Austin, Texas, moved it up to Oregon, fell in love with it up here. I got to deal with a lot of small business owners, kind of startups, stuff like that. Kind of found, was starting to discover a little bit of a pattern for what they go through and do that. And so developed some consulting content associated with that. Did get way deep into training though, did that for a number of years. Love seeing the light bulbs come on, love helping people. And then when you kind of combine that training, organizational development with kind of helping small business owners and entrepreneurs scale and hit certain inflection points and work through those, that's kind of where I ended up really being passionate and wanting to work. And so that's how I came across BBSI. So really super happy to be here. That is a great wealth of experience. We're excited to have you as well, especially on this topic. I think it's so important to talk about building growth plans for your business. And I want to start with a little story of a friend of mine. So about a year and a half ago, a friend of mine had been working for a large lumber mill doing kind of some fancy moldings and things and decided that he would strike out on his own. He had worked with a guy who did some sharpening of their tools in the mill that the mill wasn't able to do. And the guy was retiring. And and offered him if he wanted to come in and buy the business. And he was very excited to launch his own business. So he got into it. And once he started, the business was booming. It was taken off. He was very energized and enthusiastic about growing the business. But he really was locked in by two very large customers that sort of determined the growth trajectory of the business. And I kept talking to him about building a growth plan and asking questions. You know, what happens if one of those customers goes away and he kind of kept putting me off and putting me off. And it turns out that one of those customers did end up experiencing quite a severe downturn and it pretty much closed his business. And so when I was researching this topic and thinking about just having a plan, having a growth plan, that story occurred to me. And I'm sure you have had similar experiences with a number of your clients. Well, I will tell you about a couple One is really super close to home. As I started to build our training business in 2002, we were doing a lot of little projects and kind of getting connected with different companies and doing kind of little things, you know, like leadership development, team building, and I teach a little Excel here and there. We got our big break in 2005 when we met an executive VP for a mortgage company 
It was a large mortgage company, basically operated up and down the West Coast. And we started doing a lot of team building sessions, communication, kind of soft skill stuff for not only those mortgage company branches, but they also started doing it for real estate agents as a value add for those clients. So we got really super heavily concentrated with that particular client and in that particular industry. So we were cruising along, growing, just doing great. Didn't have a growth plan ourselves. We were just super happy to have the business. And then along comes 2008. And because we were so heavily focused in that particular industry, we had to completely reset and we did not do it proactively. We did it reactively. And I learned a lot from that. That's how I got into contract training and why I had to diversify when we developed a bunch of different income streams, a bunch of different clients saw the need to do that based on the sting of that experience that almost quite frankly shut us down and almost quite frankly put us on the street. Another example of that is we do have a client right now who had the same basic issue in the construction industry, was heavily focused and aligned with one particular builder. And as you know, right now, contemporarily, the construction industry is kind of slowing down and there's a little bit of a domino effect going on. We've been coaching that particular client to try to diversify geographically and across different home builders. And he was starting to do that, but it ended up being too late for him. This particular customer slowed down on their payables and this guy had just made a major capital investment, which gets into another element of planning for growth, mm-hmm. made some major capital investments, hit the perfect storm, and is now basically upside down. So a couple of really close to home experiences. And then, of course, being with my dad, kind of in that small business for a number of years, saw a lot of examples of going through boom and bust cycles, where if you're not geared up for it, it can definitely flip you upside down. So you hit on a couple of interesting points. I mean, those are a variety of industries that you just gave us the examples of. And I think speaking of growth, it's sort of defined different for all those businesses. I imagine there are some consistencies that go across and most people think, oh, well, it's just growing revenue or adding new clients. But I feel like defining growth for the small business varies across the industries. So what are some of the key industry indicators or metrics that you've used in your past to sort of measure success? Well, as you're scaling for growth, and even as you're bringing on more clients, I mean, obviously one thing you have to think about, you know, a lot of people love growth. And one of the first things we did in the training world was we offered our clients, our new clients, the ability to, to basically book with us and pay later. You get to the point in that industry where you have to make a lot of investments in materials, in travel. If you're arranging the venue, you have to do that. And while the top line growth looks and feels good, There's a lot of cash flow elements that if you don't know how to forecast those, you're suddenly in trouble from the standpoint of burning through your own cash, burning through, you know, credit and that kind of thing. So even when you're picking up clients and it's not a capital intensive industry, you have issues associated with the kind of the working capital side of the business that you have to account for that a lot of small business owners don't. When you get into anything to do with construction or manufacturing or anything like that, you have all sorts of logistical pipelines you have to worry about from the standpoint of funding inventory, funding capital investment, and all of that stuff that happens when you take on new clients. There's always the front end of the pipe that you have to fill. What I'm fond of saying is that a lot of people don't completely understand when they sign on new business or when they sign on and we have to scale up to service that business, either in the form of more inventory, more employees or whatever, they never fully anticipate what has to go into the front end of the pipe before anything comes out of the back end of the pipe. Right. And that's the number one thing that kills. 
the number one reason so many small businesses go out of business within their first three to five years of experience, especially those that are roaringly successful, is they do not anticipate the cash needs to fund growth. And that's one thing I just love being able to take the time with business owners to take them through. So let's say you've got a small business owner. I mean, they probably don't have a huge organization supporting them and supporting the ability to track all that type of growth. What are some of the tools or the methods you can use to track or evaluate that performance? Are there some best practices you've seen over time? Well, I will tell you that the earlier that we get involved with our clients, the better, because we have a strategic planning process called a deep dive. And one of the basic things we do in the deep dive is kind of take them through everything that's going on within the what we call the business pillars of their business. And when we get into the financial side of that and start talking about their P&L, their cash flow, and their balance sheet, I would say a good 75 to 80% of small business owners are not conversant and are not fluent in that element of their business. So one of the best practices I like to use is to connect with that as early as possible to help people understand and help small businesses understand how cash flows through financially and how it's different, how the lenses you have to look through are different for the P&L versus the balance sheet versus the cash flow statement. For example, you sign on a bunch of new business, you bring in a bunch of new business, and you actually start selling to that business. If you're selling on terms and you have to buy inventory to deliver to that, the cash flow view of that particular transaction is a lot different. And unless you have the resources to fund that kind of growth, you're dead in the water before you can ever deliver anything. One of the best practices I love doing is trying to help our small business owners get onto a solid footing to be financially fluent so they can understand what their financial numbers look like and then leverage that understanding and to be able to at least rudimentarily financially forecast their business and what their cash flow and their P&L and their balance sheet is going to look like under certain growth scenarios. I love that. The financial education is so important to ensuring you have that cash flow just even to make payroll on that bi-monthly basis sure. or however often that's going on. That's so important to keeping the doors open and to be able to actually provide your product or your service to your new clients. Absolutely. So let's say you have that financial literacy now built or you're working with a company like ours where you've got somebody you can rely on to ensure you're having the cash flow to grow the business. What are some of the ways that you can identify growth opportunities? And are there resources out there you can lean on while you're looking to build a plan to identify those opportunities? Well, certainly there's market research that we can help with from the standpoint of understanding where different opportunities are in the marketplace. And it, of course, this is so highly dependent on the industry that you're in, but sometimes having an extra set of eyes kind of analytically walk through. One thing I love to do on the front end of a deep dive with a client is to really talk to them about not only their product or service or whatever they're doing, but why they're offering that and on kind of what vision, mission, core value foundation they initially develop those products and services and how they're providing them out there. And then when you talk about how they're currently doing it, and when you look at elements of how they're delivering that, you as a second set of eyes can also kind of help them brainstorm different areas or different sectors where elements of what they do or variations of what they do can be offered more generally. And we'll often spin off that particular piece of what we do in terms of identifying their target markets and other niches within those sub opportunities, and then leverage off of that a marketing and a sales plan and give them resources to try to open those doors 
and realize those market opportunities based on what we've done. We're just getting started with a client in Bend that is a veterinary clinic that also really specializes on helping dogs rehab from injuries. And one of the things that we brainstormed in one of our initial meetings was the whole idea of, I've always dreamed, I love dogs, Lauren. <laughs> and so one of my dreams has been, and one of my holy grails actually, is to find a place for my dogs to swim. Oh. And so I saw this picture of this uh, doggy pool that's like in the shape of a bone, but it's about, I don't know, five or 6,000 square feet. Wow. And in one of our initial deep dives, I talked to these ladies. And I said, hey, I was kind of just joking, actually. I said, have you guys ever thought of kind of a side business associated with your veterinary clinic being a dog pool? And they both brightened up and they said, yeah, we've been running the numbers and we just can't make it work here in Bend. And I said, well, how about Prineville? How about Redmond? You know, how about kind of the surrounding, you know, Central Oregon area? And we just kind of went back and forth. And then we kind of started to rough out some numbers. And that's kind of where that opportunity sits right now. But we're going to go back to that and kind of spin through it and play with it a little bit. And that's where a lot of these like small business entrepreneurial discussions go is a lot of these small business owners are so head down, nose to the grindstone, get it done that once they kind of get their basic business going, they don't really come up for every once in a while to work on the business and kind of get above it, kind of get some strategic vision. And so that's what we do. And that's the perspective we can offer through our processes. And so we're going to come back to that. We're going to give them another opportunity to look at that. And we've, we have things like that that we've done with clients all over the place. And that's just so fun to do, to bring tools to them that they may not have seen, to bring perspective to them that they may not have seen, and then start to incorporate that into a little bit of an articulated forecast or a three to five year growth plan or a three to five year any type of plan that would help kind of move them down the road in, in a focused way rather than kind of lurching tactically from moment to moment. You brought up a great topic that I love when you're thinking, you know, you start your business, you kind of get it going and you're sort of operating with blinders on and it's hard to sort of sit back and look beyond that core business that you've created and to really diversify. So you mentioned diversifying product offerings or services, but also diversifying geography. And I think that's an important point when you're building your growth plan is you may use up all the opportunities that are in your immediate view, but there may be some that are on the outskirts that are in that peripheral vision that could provide tremendous opportunities for the future. And I think there's one tool, I think probably everybody out there has heard of a SWOT analysis, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And when you were talking about the dog pool idea, I mean, what a tremendous opportunity for that veterinary clinic to expand into. Is that SWOT analysis something that you do in the deep dive or in those initial meetings with the clients? You know, I will say per se structured that way. I've done a lot of SWOT analyses. Anyone that has done any level of consulting has done those. Now, sometimes our clients will come to us and actually want to do a SWOT analysis. Down here in Southern Oregon, we have a client we signed on that does holistic healthcare that likes that particular structure and to have us do it every year as part of their strategic planning sessions. I would say most of the time though, Lauren, we get at those same issues in terms of identifying your strengths, your vulnerabilities or weaknesses, other opportunities that are out there and threats associated with those. And it's so important as we kind of build the plan of action at the end that we try to put into place at the end of every deep dive, that every time we look at going after an opportunity, we understand 
that there's going to be an analytical phase to that opportunity and there's going to be inherent risks associated with that opportunity. For example, if you're branching out, if you're trying to grow in areas that aren't associated with your core business, you're always going to run the risk of spreading yourself too thin, right. making investments that are kind of beyond your ability to sustain. And so we get at the essence. That's a wonderful way of taking a client through an analytical framework that will help them identify and analyze different opportunities. But I would say sometimes we do the classic SWOT analysis. Sometimes we get at the very same thing using our algorithms and using our constructs that get at the same material. So super important to do. Let's dig in a little further. I want to dig in that opportunity area. And you mentioned sometimes you can spread yourself too thin. And I'm going to throw another acronym out there because it just seems to flow nicely from this one is SMART goals, right? Goals that are specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time-bound. And I think there's a tremendous advantage of applying that logic to those opportunities to ensure that you're not spreading yourself too thin. Absolutely. So, you know, it's all integrated, right? But whenever we get to the point where we're saying, all right, we've talked about where you've been. We talk about where you are right now and kind of framed out your current situation, all the things that are keeping you up at night. Now let's talk about your vision. And so we get into this kind of three to five-year time frame, which is classically the time frame I like to work through with our clients and just talk about not only where they want to be, how they want to grow, kind of stretch their brain around what the inflection points would be of maybe tripling the size of their business in the next three to five years, what they'd have to do to make that happen but then drill into their core values, their mission, their vision, and how that overlays everything. It always drills down to though, okay, so now we have a thread that we wanna follow, a growth pattern that we wanna go after, a particular industry or geography we potentially wanna go, and they're certainly gonna do our analysis behind that, but now we actually have some things we're gonna do. And so when we get over to that action plan, we always overlay the smart way of looking at it from the standpoint of what that is. Now I have a slightly different way that I interpret the algorithm when we go through that. Mm -hmm. I say, whatever you're gonna have to do has to be specific and it has to be measurable, but my A is actionable. So the big thing that we do with that action plan is we say, okay, what are we gonna do and when are we gonna start it? And so then that becomes the basis of our engagement moving further down the path. Now the R, is realistic. And that gets after kind of the achievable or attainable element of SMART goals. Is it realistic to add this to your to-do list to say you're going to do this by this time, which of course is the T, time-bound. So we put some time-bound parameters on it. We put the action plan in place. We prioritize it. And then it just becomes a matter of checking back with them, not beating them over the head with it, but basically making it such small baby steps that are vectored in the direction of now what they want to do to achieve their three to five year vision, but brought all the way back to the initial steps that you're gonna take. And then the execution of those lined up with what you wanna achieve. And so the smart elements of what we do that connect all that together are related to the action plan. And when we do it that way and some things get done, now realistically, you gotta be pragmatic with small business owners. Some things are gonna get done, some aren't. Some are gonna fall by the wayside. But you always applaud what they do. You reinforce that and a higher percentage of it gets done. But those smart principles, making sure that you just don't say that I'm going to start doing this at some point in the future. And unless you can bring it down to where they walk out with a plan that they know exactly what they're going to do by when, and then you serve that back up to them at the designated time where you're going to re-engage in what we call a core meeting or some element of the project management that you're gonna to hook to that, that's the way real stuff gets done. And so it's super critical. 
I love that. And it's so intentional the way that you laid that out. It's the ability to balance the short-term versus the long-term goals, right? You can't get to the long-term goals unless you achieve the short-term goals first. And I think oftentimes people may get bogged down thinking of these giant grandiose plans for this growth plan. And I've got to get to a certain point in the next five years, but really the immediate actions that you can take that affect you within the next one to three years set you on the path to achieve that longer-term growth, correct? Absolutely. And you know, one of my favorite quotes, it's a little bit paradoxical, but I do think it's important to kind of set the vision and set where you want to go. But I say from that point, yeah, you might want to revisit it every once in a while, but kind of set it and then forget it. Meaning that I don't know if you ever heard this quote by Martin Luther King Jr. where he said, you don't have to see the whole staircase, just take the first step. But once you've kind of vectored what you're going to do by setting a vision and then come back, to the specific steps you're going to take right now and then be satisfied with taking those baby steps and incrementally kind of moving down that path and then reset yourself strategically every once in a while to make sure you're still vectored in that direction, then that's good enough because sometimes people look at where they are relative to where they want to go and they get overwhelmed. What happens when people get overwhelmed? They just drop everything. They just will give up on it. They just give up on it and they don't want that. So that's why I say it's a little paradoxical, you know, set the vision which seems so big and so huge when you do it, but then go and say, okay, we're going to start here and then we're going to go here and then we're going to go here. And every once in a while, we're going to say, is that still pointing us in the right direction? Yep. And then we're going to go here and here and here and helping small business owners do that. I mean, there's so much stuff that can overwhelm small business owners and take them off the path. And part of our job is to help them stay on the path by reinforcing what they've done that's right, not discouraging them by reminding them of stuff that hasn't, but just keep moving, keep moving in that direction and redefine it as you have to. So Rob, what's a good cadence? I know that, you know, market conditions change, customer needs change, product availability services can change. What's a good cadence for kind of reviewing and updating that growth plan as you set out on it? Well, I will say it's all over the map. We have one client down here in Southern Oregon that does a lot of content creation. They do a lot of drone video. They do a lot of production and content development. And when we initially sat down and had this kind of visioning discussion with them, he only had three employees and we kind of laid all this stuff out. The things that popped up for them that were kind of limiting was that their production planning process was a little bit disjointed and they really needed to kind of break it down and be a lot more programmatic around what they were doing and, and what was on the critical path and planning on that. So we kind of laid that out and we got to a certain point with that. We put that as an action plan to follow up with. There were a couple of other things that came up in terms of how they store things, how they do their initial marketing and things like that. And so there were three or four other things that we put on the action plan that we knew needed to be done. But that whole production process piece of what they needed to focus on was what they really wanted to do. So what they wanted to do on that is they wanted to get back together three weeks later and do what I call a deeper dive into that process. So we took them into our training room. We did a complete whiteboard of what their existing production process looked like, what it needed to look like. And we came up with another sub action plan that had a lot of sub points that they needed to go execute in order to make that happen. So it depends on urgency. It depends on their availability. It depends on how motivated they are to do it. I would say that we at least want to check in with those clients that have done a deep dive where they have some immediate action items, especially where we have a piece of executing them. 
at least once a month. And then of course, you know, our frequency in terms of we want to check in with our clients at least quarterly. But when you're working on stuff like this, where you've got it, the right stuff in a strategic planning, especially something that's focused on growth, where they need to be executing right now, it's much more frequent than that. And sometimes it becomes challenging because a lot of these guys, if they really get on fire about it, they want a lot of your time. But quite frankly, I don't mind giving those types of clients my time. And so it's so dependent on what they want to focus on. That seems like such valuable opportunity to sit down in the room and talk to you. So what happens when you sit down for one of these check-ins? Maybe it's been a little bit longer than you wanted it to be, and they're not on track. They've gone in a direction that they're now only sitting back to realize is the wrong direction for the growth plan or the wrong direction for what they had originally decided. What do you do in that instance? Well, it's just a reset. Let's just say that they had an action plan. There's a few scenarios in here, right? So one of the scenarios are that we came up with this big, beautiful action plan. When they were focused in that room with us, they were super excited to do it, but they got out of that room and immediately got redistracted by stuff. So in those situations, it's kind of a two-part question. Number one is, when we're talking to you right now, is this something you still want to do? If the answer is no, and it's become irrelevant, we let it go and we focus in a different direction. If the answer is yes, I just can't seem to clear enough time off my calendar or get enough focus time to do it, then we start talking about techniques where we can just go back to that action plan. And I can't tell you how many times I've had the discussion with my clients who've been in this situation, just about simple concepts like time blocking Hmm. and working with your calendar in such a way where you can create blocks of time, where you can execute one thing. It's getting back. It's resetting on what needs to be done now. Let's create a time block. We can work together on it if you want and just kind of get them started with some of those habits that are going to allow them to create the time, as Stephen Covey would say in you know his little grid, time to work on those things that are important but not necessarily urgent. The only way you do things like that is if you time block. So if they just haven't had a chance to get it because they're so fragmented, we try to help them put the things in place to get that execution. Now, if they followed that action plan, but it's just not delivering the results, you know, cause and effect sometimes is a hypothesis, right? It's, okay, I want to go here and I think this is what's going to do it for me. Well, I actually did this stuff and some of it backfired. Some of it didn't work. It didn't get me where I wanted it to be. Well, then we go back to the drawing board and talk further about that. We were working with a body shop down here and they wanted to inspire their managers and supervisors to higher levels of performance with a profit sharing plan. So we helped them define a profit sharing and a bonus plan. We put that into effect. We revisited it a year later and it quite frankly didn't work. It didn't get them where they wanted to be. So we went back and microanalyzed those variables and we went down one level a little bit deeper and talked about how are people really motivated? You know, it's not always the money. Sometimes it's the recognition. Sometimes it's being able to connect what they do to who they are. So let's do some work at that level. Let's do some team building at that level. Let's ask them. Let's have them bring to the board. So we did all those things. Some stuff came up, we reformulated it, put it into place. And in that case, with that particular client, it helped them get back on track. So a lot of times the stuff isn't pretty or easy or formulaic. It's hard. It's something you got to do by just being able to be side by side with the client. Quite frankly, that's something I think is part of what attracted me to this company with BBSI. Is it's not like you go in and spend a lot of time, write a consulting report, you know, and flip it over to them and have them execute it, or you charge them a whole bunch more money to execute it. It's like, we'll come side by side with you. We'll analyze, we'll help you implement, we'll coach you along. And if it works, great. If it doesn't, 
we're right there with you to adjust. And that's the way it really works. I love the support that you're offering and the way that you kind of lay that out step by step to help these business owners. And I do like also that it's not cookie cutter, that it's different for every business, every industry. I mean, we work with such a wide variety of clients. It's always the greatest stories that I hear from all those different industries. I want to go back to one excellent point that I think you made before the last bit on the growth plan there is communicating and aligning with the team and with the stakeholders. Your point about, you know, ask them what is going to help them get on board. Because as a business owner, you're the quarterback and you can sit in the pocket there and you can call the plays and you can execute them. But if your team is running in the wrong direction or towards the wrong goalpost, no matter how good that plan is, it's going to fall apart. So ensuring that you're communicating with your teams, you're getting that buy-in, I feel like it's such a critical step to being successful in this whole small business industry and continuing to grow and stay open and really achieving your goals at the end of the day. It's absolutely true. And trying to get that alignment, if you're able to achieve that alignment, and what I mean by alignment is, here's what the company's all about. Here's where we want to go in the next three to five years. Here's our mission. Here's our vision. Here are our core values. And when I work with business owners to get that bit of information, you know, I tell them, just tell me, you know, what it is. I mean, if you don't have these things written down at this point, that's okay. Just tell me what they are. And maybe we can move to a point and get to a point, if you feel strongly about it, where we can articulate this. And this is an inherent piece of your company culture. It's your de facto culture. Let's talk about that first. And let's talk about where your de facto culture is, that what it really is and where you want it to be and talk about how we get it to that point. Let's talk about that. But once you're to the point where you can really talk about who you are, what you're about, where you're going to go, and you can communicate that to your team members, your employees. Now, another piece that's super important is to ask them, well, what are you all about? Why are you here? Why do you think you're on this earth? What, what's your passion? What turns you on? Now, let's do the third piece of lining that up and tell me about what you're doing here. How does it line up with who we are? And that's what true alignment is. What are the core values, the mission and vision of the company? And what are they for each individual employee? And how does that line up and create jet fuel to propel individuals and teams to higher levels of performance? So we help a lot of our clients visualize that and what that should be. And then we actually do team building sessions where we bring just exactly that stuff forward and articulate that. And when you have that, as you probably well know, when you have that level of feeling that what you're doing in your job for the amount of time that you're working in your job is truly lined up with who you are and your passion and why you're put here on this earth, why you're here, then that gets you to a whole other level of someone that can contribute to a company and all sorts of information comes forward. That's what's truly motivational is when you get going to get to that. Yeah, bonus plans are important. Profit sharing is important. But the most important aspects is feeling alignment, feeling appreciated, feeling part of a team, you know, that kind of stuff. And when you can get at that and when you can strike that vein of gold, that's when we see clients really take off. I love that you brought us full circle back to the mission, the vision, the core values. I mean, aligning all those things together as an organization truly is what helps businesses succeed and be prosperous, especially in today's environment. It's tough to get workers out there. It's tough to staff your teams to keep people engaged and motivated. And if you can have those things and structure those together, that is a excellent plan to grow the business into the future. And I think you've given us some fantastic examples today of some of those businesses you've worked with, some of the challenges they've faced, and really 
what I love is how BBSI helps these small businesses. As I listen to your stories, I put myself in the shoes of a small business owner. And oftentimes you don't have time to sit back and think about all the bits and pieces that we've discussed today. So having a partner like BBSI that kind of forces you to do that can really be that pivotal point in your business to take you beyond that inflection point so that you're going up and not spiraling down. Absolutely. Well, Rob, thank you so much for being a guest on the episode today. I really appreciate all the examples you bring. And I can hear the enthusiasm in your voice as you told all those stories and talked through all those pieces. And I hope for our listeners out there, they got a lot of value and are actually starting to think about putting their own growth plans together to grow their businesses. So for all those listeners, thanks for listening today. If you're looking for more resources to support your business or get started on your own growth plan, you can visit our website at bbsi.com. You can also subscribe to our monthly newsletter, the BBSI Insider. And we'd love it if you'd subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform so you never miss out on the latest insights from our BBSI business professionals. Thanks, Rob. Thank you very much for the opportunity, Lauren. I've really enjoyed this.